The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. All right. You've brought a snake. Yeah. Oh, God, he's brought a venomous plus one. Whoa, snake. Massive. What's it called? Don't know, fucking rental snake, innit? It, it is safe, isn't it, Hans? Yeah, it should be. Red next to black. Jump the fuck back, red and yellow, cuddly fella. But red is next to black. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. He's been milked, I should think. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 40 of the Old Dude Brothers podcast, Jeremy in Love. My name's Laura, and I have to admit, I have a wanking disease. My name is Sean. No, wait, Laura, that was going to be my line, not yours. I know that you wanted that line, Sean, but I'm telling you my real life struggle here. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? You all right? Yes, I'm doing fine. How are you? Okay, I've got a bit of a cough, so I sound husky today. I apologise. Oh, uh, that's okay. I'm sure there's some listeners that probably like the more husky voice. Yeah, they're probably into that. <laughs> that came out way creepier than I had intended it to sound like. <laughs> yeah. What, have you been up to anything? Oh, uh, just at, at a nerd convention over the weekend, so that was a lot of fun. Did you have a good time? Yeah, yeah, I did. It was really, really enjoyable. Oh, cool. Good. My wife and I have been going to this convention for about nine years. Right. And over the last, like, five years, I've kind of felt, like, increasingly out of place because I'm much older and the crowd is trending younger. Right. So I feel like a dirty pervert when I'm walking around and there's these, like, 18-year-old girls walking around in, like, skimpy outfits. And I'm like, no, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be here. This isn't right. <laughs> well, what can I say? Yeah, not much to say, but it was fun this year because um, I did a like a panel discussion about Japanese hardcore wrestling, which right. I know you don't care about, but I wasn't expecting like a lot of people to show up and like 80 people, so like, well, probably 80s an exaggeration, but like 50 to 60 people showed up and we were watching these like crazy matches and everybody was just like going batshit insane and like clapping their hands and like gave me an ovation after it was over and I was like, Oh, wow, this is, a, this is a really cool feeling. So did you come on as, like, an expert about Japanese wrestling? Uh, so for one panel I did, um, I did two panels, one about, like, normal Japanese wrestling and then one about Japanese hardcore wrestling. Um, for the hardcore, I was like, look, I am not an expert. I have done minimal research, but this is what I found. Whereas in my other panel, I was like, look, I've been watching this shit for, like, five years now so here is my expert opinion mm, so, sounds good sounds interesting yeah it was a lot of fun i had a really good time so um how was your weekend it was fine it's really cold here again it's been snowing and um it's just miserable it's, it was the first day of spring on wednesday and it is so unspring like here i'm just sick of it now oh my god i know exactly what you're talking about on thursday i went to this convention to go get <clears throat> my badge as I was walking out, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, oh my god, the weather is, like, beautiful today. Like, oh man, what a great weekend for a convention. Like, oh, it's going to be awesome. And then I woke up Friday and it was, like, 30 degrees with, like, 30 mile an hour winds is insane. It's yeah. so goddamn cold and windy this It's exactly weekend. the same here. Friday it was beautiful and it actually felt like spring. And then it snowed on Saturday, so just over it now. Let's just... <laughs> And I had an email from Havana saying, 
uh, have you got your flip-flops ready for spring? And I was just like, fuck off. Why are you sending me this shit? I'm still in boots. Like, ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told my wife, I was like, man, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my shorts washed and I'm going to make sure that I have like t-shirts and everything. And yeah, fuck that. Yeah, no need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was the reason that we couldn't record on Sunday like we normally do because I was incapacitated. Oh, that's okay. So, um, yeah, so let's uh, talk about this episode. How much of this episode did you remember? Because I will admit that I did not remember much of this episode. So I remembered lots of the details of this episode, but not that they all happened together and not that it um, they, they happened in this one episode together. So obviously... Like the conversation that Sophie and Mark have about, you know, getting stuff ready for the baby. I remember that happening. And I do remember, obviously, Jeremy and Elena getting it together. But I'd forgotten it happened in the episode where Mark does the inexplicable history walk. So, yeah, it was quite foggy for me, this one. Yeah, I remembered this. From what I remembered about this episode, I remembered that, uh, you know, Jeremy and Elena had this, like, you know, thing. And that Jeremy was really in love with her. I could not have told you that this was also the one with the wink bullet and the history walk. No, me neither. Yeah, that didn't, I, yeah, that was totally, totally forgot that. Yeah, so I'd say this is a bit of a beige episode for me. It's a bit of a magnolia. It's not terrible, but it's wallpaper. Like, I'm not fussed about this. And I, I felt wet, thought that going in and I feel the same way coming out. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was not... Yeah, this episode was okay. Like, there wasn't bad scenes, but there was just a lot of, like, yeah. 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 All right. Well, we kick off this episode in with Jeremy and Elena in bed, and they are in Elena's flat in Apollo House. Uh, yep. Yeah, so, right off the bat, we know what this is going to be about. Um, obviously, <laughs> the title is Jeremy and Love, but it's quite clear that Jeremy has a new love in his life. Um, they've just had sex for the first time. And Jeremy is thinking about how it was the best sex he's ever had. Yeah. And uh, he tries to convince Elena to call in sick to work so they can spend all day making love. He says, ring in sick. Tell them Dr. Jeremy says that you got to stay in bed with plenty of fluids. Sexual fluids. <laughs> yeah. And it's all a bit creepy, isn't it? It's got a bit of a creepy edge there. <laughs> yeah. And then he hopes that uh, Elena doesn't think he's really a doctor. No, I don't think she does. I think it's pretty safe to say no one would ever think Jeremy was a real doctor. Um, he wonders why the sex was so good because he just did his usual stuff. He says he did uh, snog diddle, tongue diddle, front behind cuddle, the set menu. <laughs> and he then realises when Elena asks him to iron her shirt and she, he says yes, that he's in love with her because he wouldn't ordinarily say yes to ironing anything. Yeah. Uh, he also has no clue how to iron anything because he's never had to do it in his life. And then he just goes, oh, my giddy ass, I'm in love with Elena. Yeah, I did enjoy that bastardization of, oh, my giddy aunt, as a, an expression. Um, and that made me laugh a lot, actually. Oh, I wasn't aware that that was a bastardization of an expression. Yeah, oh, my giddy aunt <laughs> is an expression, a, a quite a dated <laughs> expression, but an English expression, nevertheless. <laughs> it's the sort of thing my granddad might have said. It's like pre-war, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm it sounds like the kind of thing that i would say <laughs> yeah when you're uh, trying to be a dandy that's what you'd say yeah yeah um so next scene we have mark and sophie at a cafe um i did find the name of this cafe it's the fertilis cafe in mill hill london laura 
do you think this cafe is still open? I'm going to say I think it is because I think they're a chain. They are not. This particular one is not. Oh, okay. Trying to be smart. But I that's know. sad, but not a surprise. We've had the economic downturn since then. Yeah, well, we broke our, We also broke our sh- string of peep show businesses still being open. Oh, yeah. We were doing quite well, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, we sure were. Um, it's quite a depressing look- looking cafe, I thought. It's quite sort of dark and hemmed in. Which was perfect for the scene, I think. Yeah, for the conversation. Yeah. Um, Mark is worrying about the baby, obviously. Um, he says that the baby is now the size of a croissant, a terrifying, life-altering croissant. <laughs> um, Sophie, you know, starts kind of talking like, oh, do you want to know if it's a boy or a girl? And Laura, I just wanted to know, how did you and Phil handle this? So we didn't find out either time. Um, with our oldest, who's a girl, uh, I went for a growth scan at 36 weeks, so really like close to the due date, like a month before. And they asked me if I knew... And when I said no, she said, oh, you better look away now because it's really obvious. So I thought it must be a boy. It wasn't. I don't know what was obvious. I mean, I couldn't tell you. It all looks like alien life up there to me. So, you know, but (laughs) apparently it was really obvious. So I thought she was a boy. And then with our second, who's also a girl, we went for a 3D scan when I was about 27 weeks. And the sonographer said oh, she's looking great. And we were like, we don't know what it is. And she was like, oh, neither do I. So it was really clear what was going on there. So that ruined that (laughs) one for us. But technically, no, we didn't know either time. Oh, maybe she was just trying to use gender neutral pronouns. Maybe, maybe she was. I mean, it could have been that she just slipped up and said she, but I think it was because she saw a womb, (laughs) to be honest. But, you know, (laughs) we had one girl, we kind of expected to have another one. So it wasn't that big a deal. Um, Mark is pretty much resigned to the fact that the baby's going to be a boy. The baby's going to grow up to go through the same hell he did. P.E. hell, the stolen packed lunch, having to do a little dance and sing I'm a gay lord to the tune of Like a Virgin. <laughs> I really like that image. That, that really tickled me. Let me ask this question. Did you sing the song in your head? Of course, did you? Yes, of course I did. And <laughs> um, Whilst Mark's thinking about all of this, Sophie's going on about something else. And when Mark finally pays attention to this, um, he tunes in on Sophie saying that for all those reasons, I want to go private. Oh, <laughs> uh, Did you and uh, Phil decide to go private or did you guys go through the <laughs> no, NHS? We're not millionaires. Do you know how much a birth? Well, you do know how much a birth costs because Sophie talks about it. But um, like a straightforward birth privately costs about seven or eight thousand pounds. Oh, my God. I, I did the conversion rate. Sophie says here that it costs six thousand pounds for our twelve American listeners. That's eight thousand four hundred US. Um, thankfully, Ian and Penny, Sophie's parents, have agreed to pay for half of that, which leaves a mere three thousand pounds or forty two hundred dollars US for them. And Mark is unemployed. Yeah, and if that's that's if it all goes straightforwardly. So I was told both times that I had the babies, I was told I had to have blood transfusions, like heavy big blood transfusions oh, and yeah, I, I had to have I had this. to have five litres the first time and six litres the second time and I was told each litre of blood costs about two thousand pounds so that's just that those figures that Sophie's quoted is just if you know she doesn't lose a lot of blood or have to have some other procedure she could well have the baby and then Mark could be faced with another like eight thousand pounds on top of that for some blood yeah oh my god yeah um Sophie kind of prods Mark to see how his job hunting is going. <clears throat> Mark reveals that he wants to make a career change in his life. He wants to teach English as a foreign language. 
he, or be an import pecorino, something different, more fulfilling. <laughs> yeah, and, um, Sophie's not into that. She wants him to get a job that's got, you know, benefits and, you know, doesn't really care if he's happy. She says it'd be nice if he was happy, but it's not the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. Uh, it just goes to show, you know, where each character is right now. Yeah. She then mentions that Fer- Ferrell's is hiring a loss adjuster. We assume that this is a firm they both know from working at JLB. And Mark thinks that he'd be good as a loss adjuster because his whole life has been one continuous adjustment to loss, which is maybe one of the saddest lines in all of Peep Show. Yeah, I forgot that this line came in this episode. This is a very, very iconic line, yeah. I think. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, there's actually a couple uh, iconic lines in this yeah. episode, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, next, we go to a scene that I very, very much can empathize with because it's a weekly struggle when I'm doing podcast notes. Um, Mark says that he's going to take a quick look at Facebook, tiny bit of YouTube, and then work on his CV. Yes, um, <laughs> but before he can even start procrastinating, he finds that his computer isn't working. Yep. Uh, he presses the button, it doesn't turn on, and he just says, there's no whirl. Where's the word? Where's the word? <laughs> Jeremy then comes in, and he's very sympathetic to Mark. Um, and he's sympathetic in a way that suggests to Mark that potentially Jeremy's doing ecstasy again, because he's not normally this nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this. Um, I love this. Uh, you know, he comes over and gives Mark a hug, and, um, he, you know... Mark is just like, what? what's going on with you? And Jeremy just says, you know, I'm in love. I, I don't want to tempt fate, but I think everything's going to be totally great forever. Yeah, another iconic uh, peep show line. Um, Jeremy's never been in love before, but he now says that he realizes that everything is just a substitute for being in love. He says, I think it's is it a running in the Olympics is just a substitute for love. I can't yeah, remember uh, all the other things he says. Yeah, running in the Olympics, uh, maybe drugs and alcohol or something yeah, like yeah. that. I can't and remember exactly he, what he it is. He realizes that everything is just a you know substitute for this void in your soul that love fills, and Eleanor is his uh, Elena, sorry, is his one true soulmate. <laughs> yeah, and Mark says, "Oh, you know that's incredible that out of three billion women, your soulmate just happens to live in the same black, black. Oh my God, <laughs> block of flats that you do." <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jeremy says there are powers that work beyond our understanding and uh, Mark shuts this down with, no, they really aren't. Yeah. And then uh, Jeremy starts talking about Shakespeare and then there's a really funny exchange between him and Mark that we're going to go ahead and insert here. Who knows how these things happen? There are powers at work beyond our understanding. No, there aren't. What was it Shakespeare said? He said a lot of things, Jeremy. He basically said something about how there are more things there than... There are actual things that you can see with your eyes. That's not the exact quote. Isn't it? Anyway, I'm going to tell Elena that I love her over dinner tonight. Why take the risk? She might not say it back. Why do you have to bring worry and doubt into everything? You're like some kind of mad evangelist for anxiety. Lots to go round, old son. I'm probably a couple of grams lighter now. (laughs) Uh, I love his description of Mark as some kind of mad evangelist for anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I um, I really enjoy this Shakespeare line. I'm obviously I'm an English teacher, and I've got this printed out on the pinboard at the front of my class, and proving how seldom anyone reads that pinboard. But I get the occasional student who's like, 
Can you tell me more about that? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing that you have a peep show quote in your classroom. In my classroom, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that's awesome. We move on to Elena's office and uh, Jeremy has gone to pick her up from work or meet her from work and she's talking about her job and Jeremy's thinking about how normally when someone talks about their job you're not interested but because he loves her he's really interested and she's moaning on about this fella Peter and Elena finishes her story and Jeremy responds with Peter sounds like a honking great wanker, which is just a great line. <laughs> um, and then they then go off to dinner with Jeremy thinking about how he's going to tell her that he loves her and he's nervous about it. Yep. And then we get to to see that scene, actually, because now we go to Jeremy and Elena. I said dinner, probably lunch. I. Yeah, oh, lunch yeah, it could be. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Some know, sort it, of meal. Matter. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting some sort of sustenance. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy is, is really, like, nervous. He doesn't really know how to tell Elena that he loves her. And he thinks to himself, he goes, you know, maybe I should just text her. <laughs> and all I could think of was, like, no, Jeremy, you know, like, don't do not do this. And so uh, I just wanted to know, like, who said that they loved each other first, you or Phil? Uh, Phil. And we'd known each other for about two days. <laughs> 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 but in his defense, I said it straight back. So what about you, oh. Nicole? Um, so the first time that I told Nicole that I loved her, I was like really, really hammered drunk. And Nicole's computer had crashed and she lost like everything that was on it. And she was just so upset and she was like crying. And, you know, I was like telling her like, oh, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, I remember I was like kneeling, like she was sitting in a chair and I was like kneeling. And, but I'm so much taller than she is that I was still at, like, head level with her. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I just remember she was crying, and I was, like, hugging her. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. I love you. <laughs> and she was just like, what? what? And I'm like, I love you. And she goes, oh, uh, well, this isn't really a good time for that, but... <laughs> I love you too. And Aww. then she, you know, like went back to crying and I was like, oh, she loves me. <laughs> and that hasn't made this whole computer situation fine. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Somehow telling her that I loved her did not make the uh, sting of losing every thing she had on the computer better <laughs> i know that our first i love you's where phil fired first in that duel was over a domino's pizza in the front room of his house that he shared with the squalage front room that he shared with his flatmate sam um so again <laughs> not a very romantic setting for that oh that's incredible <laughs> it's really um, amazing how vivid these you know like where you just remember everything about that yeah yeah Jeremy tries to go with a more subtle approach here. He says that <laughs> bread really is excellent, isn't it? Nice and dense. I love you very much. Mark actually got some bread recently that was made of spelt flour. So he just kind of sandwiches it in the middle of the sentence. Uh, I love this. It's the it's the super subtle but not subtle at all way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. So I went out with a guy, the guy whose stuff I eventually burnt in a bin in happier times when he first revealed that he was in love with me this was how he did it he just sandwiched it in the middle of a sentence about things he loved you know he loved you know it was he was talking about things that he enjoyed and the qualities he enjoyed in a person and then they sort of turned into my qualities and he was like and i think i love you and i and he just carried the sentence on and it was like oh okay similar to how elena deals with this that's how i dealt with it by just sort of ignoring it really 
Oh, I was thinking you were going to say he was going to say something like, well, I love Liverpool. <laughs> um, I love hamburgers. I love you. It wasn't really much better than that, bridge. to be honest, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Uh, I think if I ever have to tell somebody I love them again for the first time, which I'm hopefully not ever going to have to do, that that's how I, that's the approach I might <laughs> that's go. How you, that's how you'll do it, yeah. Like, oh my god, I love Peep Show, I love wrestling, <laughs> I love you, I love basketball, you know. <laughs> See if they're really listening. Yeah. Um, Elena doesn't really react to this, which concerns Jeremy, obviously. But she then says that she loves that he loves her, uh, but she's it's complicated. She's a complicated person. And it's quite clear that she doesn't love him back. She doesn't say explicitly, but it's obvious. Yeah, it's very heavily implied here that she doesn't feel that same way back to him. And we, you know, for anybody who's seen the show before, we know why that, you know, she's kind of cold to him. Um, but obviously, at this point, we still haven't met Gail. So we're talking about things that haven't happened yet. No, um, um, Jeremy thinks that it's because he went down on a for the set menu five minutes, but he should have gone down on her for ten minutes. Um, typical Jeremy that he's completely missing how human emotion works. Yeah, I love this too when he's like, um, "Oh, am I selfish? Do I talk too much? <laughs> Some people say I talk too much. Am I talking too much right now?" And he's just kind of like prattling on and. You know, Elena's trying to be very nice to him, but at the same time, it's, you know, not really working out. No. Um, in the next scene, they're, he's back in the flat, and Jeremy is in the kitchen, and Mark's there, and Jeremy just looks really depressed. He's wearing the same clothes he was wearing yesterday. Mark asks if he's all right. Jeremy says he didn't really go to bed last night. He just stayed up last, <laughs> listening to music and crying. One thing that I really enjoy in this is when Jeremy walks into the kitchen, he's, like, shuffling his feet, and Mark just thinks to himself, like, Pick up your feet, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark thinks, should he touch Jeremy's arm to comfort him, but he doesn't want to set a precedent. <laughs> and um, and, uh, oh. and then Jeremy announces that he's off to Hastings to get Elena's favourite bread, which she'd mentioned in the previous scene. The best bread she ever had was when she lived in Hastings and bought bread in a baker's called Ibsen's. Um, I did some research. That's actually not a real place, oh. shockingly enough. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, I see that you've done the research of how far Hastings is as well, and it's 60 miles away from where they are. Or 96 kilometers, you yeah. know, depending on which uh, measurement system you prefer to use. Yeah. Um, Jeremy thought that it was in Kent, and I have to say so did I. Until Mark corrects him and says it's in Sussex, I thought that Hastings was in Kent <laughs> oh, as well. Oh, God, I love that when he's like... Yeah, uh, yeah, it's you know in Kent somewhere. Mark's just like Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy says that he's doing it because he wants to be less selfish, and that Mark can't judge him because he's never been in love before. And Mark says to the contrary, he definitely has been in love. But do you think that Mark's been in love? I'm not sure he has. You know, it's funny that you say that because I actually was thinking that same thing when I was writing this down. I was like, man, you know, Mark says that he's been in love, but I really don't think he has because it's clear that he wasn't in love with Sophie. You know, he was in love with the idea of Sophie, but not with her. Actually, no. with her. Um, <clears throat> Unless he this... was in love with Mary or Carol Banana Face, who are the only other two women that are mentioned outside of the women we meet. Yeah, and I can't think that he was. So yeah, and he, I mean. I think he doesn't really love Dobby. He's just kind of infatuated with her. So yeah, I don't 
I don't think that Mark really has a leg to stand on here. No, I think if, spoilers ahead, I think if Mark ever is in love, then it's with April later on. I think that might be the closest we ever see Mark being in love, but even then I'm not convinced. Yeah, I'm not convinced with April either. No. Again, I think it's the idea of April and not necessarily April herself. Yeah. You know, she was the one that got away in university, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, and then Mark says that, oh, yeah, we already talked about that, da-da-da. Um, he never went to Zimbabwe to get someone a cake. Did you say that already? <laughs> no, I didn't, no. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, so Mark says that he's, you know, he has been in love, but that he never went to Zimbabwe to get someone a cake. Yeah, just I because have to I've say, never been to Zimbabwe to get someone a cake. The way he says it is brilliant. Yeah, but I have to say that I think that, you know, Driving an hour and a half to get somebody bread is way different than going to Zimbabwe to get a cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's exaggerating for comic effect. Oh. I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing we see is Mark and Dobby in Apollo House. And I know that you've got some thoughts about Dobby's inclusion here. Yes. Um, I understand why they had to have Dobby in this episode. But I feel like that Dobby just has done a real quick 180 on Mark and is, you know, last episode she looked at him and said, man, you really fuck this and has stormed out of the apartment. You know, he embarrassed her in front of Sophie and Elena and Jeremy. You know, I, I wouldn't have talked to him again. No. Shit. No, and she's got no reason to talk to him because it's not like they work together anymore. So I agree with you that it seems weird that we now see her uh, fixing his computer and doing him a favour, which I wouldn't be doing him any favours. Yeah, and he walks in there and she's kind of like down on all, or like her hands and knees, like she's got kind of her head under his desk looking at his computer and so only her butt is sticking out and he just is, you know, like, um, you know, he's just thinking about her butt. Yeah, which, yeah. Which I kind of was too. I'm, you know, not going to lie here. Um, he hands, you know, Dobby kind of comes out and he hands her, uh, I wrote a coffee of tea, but I meant a cup of tea. <laughs> and uh, they have a little banner and Mark is like, oh, this means everything is fine between us. Yeah, they have some banner about workmen and sugars. And um, and she tells him that his computer's fucked, basically. Um, and that there's not much that can be done. I love this. She just says... Her his hard disk firmware has been corrupted, and in um I know that you're not a Star Trek fan, but um when they would have the characters talk about technological stuff, they would literally just write the phrase techno babble in, and <laughs> then the actors would just kind of like make up words and stuff. You know, they'd say, you know, instead of writing like, oh, the the lithium crystals are depleted and about to, you know, they need to be recharged with negaton particles, they would just write like the lithium crystal techno babble and then the actors would just kind of make, make up something stuff up. And, yeah yeah and so i feel like that this hard disk firmware being corrupted is like the peep show equivalent of techno babble yeah i agree with <laughs> you it just sounds like they've put make up something computery there um they begin talking about their post jlb jobs and dobby has landed a gig in it working for a company that does history walking tours yeah um she doesn't really ever say what the company does, but yeah, I mean, they just do, like, apparently they do history walking tours. 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like much to base a company on, but whatever. And why do they have an IT department? Yeah, exactly. Um, but she says it doesn't really matter where she's working because IT's IT. And no matter where I am, I've just got Dick Woods perving on my ass or something like that, which obviously yeah. Mark's just been doing, so she's not wrong. Yeah. Um, she says that uh, she can get an extra laptop for Mark to use to write his CV and you know then she also suggests that she uh or that he apply for a gig doing walking tours yeah um he says that he couldn't possibly do that because that would be a job he enjoyed he'd actually enjoy going to work um but dobby says why don't you come along and i can get you free tickets and you can sort of see what it's all about yeah i like this i like the part where she um where they're talking about you know like what jobs he's looking for and he says oh you know like sophie wants me to get an office job and she's just like Mark bought 3,000 looking for work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the next scene we cut to in Apollo House again. Um, Jer- Jeremy and Elena this time. And Jeremy presents... Well, Elena's having a bad day. And Jeremy presents the bread and the truffle oil to her. But she doesn't seem thrilled because she's she's not having a great day. And he says it will cheer you up. But she is uncheered because it turns out she's worried about getting sacked for downloading porn onto her work computer. Yeah, I find it really weird that she would watch porn at work. But, you know, I was once on an airplane where a guy was casually reading Penthouse magazine, so... (laughs) Yeah, this didn't... I mean, again, I understand why this had to be put in, but this didn't really ring true to me. It's a desktop computer. There's, It just doesn't seem very likely that she would have been watching porn on a desktop computer at work. Like, what? It just is ridiculous. No, and then he asks her, you know, like, well, what do you do when you're watching porn? Do you, and she's just like, masturbate? And he's just like, oh my god, this is great. And, uh, you know, like, maybe she has, like, a private office where with no window that she can shut the door, but, you know, like... Nevertheless. Why don't you wait till you fucking get home? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't, oh. I really don't buy this, but anyway, Jeremy tells Elena not to worry about it because he's got a plan to help her. Yep. And this next scene I really enjoy, so we are going to just go ahead and insert... Oh, God. <laughs> Terrible choice of words. We're going to splice in the uh, next scene here, yeah. where Jeremy talks to Elena's boss. So, so, yes. Shit. Is this a good idea? When Meatloaf sang, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that, maybe this is what he meant. Um, I am quite busy, so... Right. I'm going with the plan. Come on, plan. So, as I was saying, uh, I came in here to collect Elena, and you saw me. Mm-hmm. But then she had to go and make a call elsewhere, and it was at that point that I then downloaded and watched the inappropriate material that was found on her computer. You did? Yeah. I get bored very quickly. But Elena had nothing to do with it, and I am... Sorrowful. Payload delivered. Right. Good. So, that's all cleared up then. Great. Uh, not really. I'm not entirely sure I believe that happened, Mr. Osborne. Why would you do that here? Shit. Okay. Time to go nuclear. Look, Peter, the truth is, I'm a sex addict. I wank ten, maybe twelve times a day. Twelve times? Yes. Or more. It's a disease. A wanking disease. Or more for luck? I have a wanking disease. Look, I like Elena. 
a lot and I really don't want to lose her so it would be very convenient if I say had doubts about my doubts right sorry now I'm not with you if I say I believe you brilliant so she's got away with it excellent okay thanks dude my genius plan has worked I'm golden with Elena now I took a wank bullet for her this day may become special for us our internet wank blame anniversary day <laughs> this to me is the funniest scene in the entire episode yeah it's great the way he says i have a disease a wanking disease is, is brilliant yes i like that when he's just you know the boss is like yeah i don't really believe any of this <laughs> yeah it would, but... i'd like to believe it because i like elena but i don't believe any of this <laughs> yeah and then he just ends up you know going with it because he wants to keep elena around and then jeremy walks out of the office and he like looks at Elena and he gives her this like thumbs up and like winks at her. And he's like, <laughs> Jeremy's like, he fell for it. He fell for it. When the, like the boss's door is like wide open. It's really funny. Yeah. This is a really great scene. Yeah. Um, so next we get to the history walk. Yes. Um, Mark and, and sorry, go. On. Oh, I was just gonna say Mark and Dobby are, are out, you know, doing one of the history walks and um we find out that the guy doing the walk does this one he does one of george and smithfield and of course a ripper walk yes of course a ripper walk the um ripper walks are a massive thing in east london and if you go into kind of the area around liverpool street station at the point that darkness falls any night of the year you will see gaggles of ripper walks going on have you ever been on a Ripper walk? Oh yeah, I've been on been on many Ripper walks. So we did um, Jack the Ripper for GCSE history, and that was the oh, first okay. one I ever went on. And I've been on numerous ones. Um, there used to be a guy Simon who did a brilliant Ripper walk. He was like a kind of he was a bit of a star on the circuit of Ripper walks, and he his were brilliant. <laughs> they were so good, and he. Um, he eventually ended up on location, 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 where they found him a new house in the country and he retired to the seaside, which was such a shame because he was brilliant. But yeah, I've been on I've been on lots of ripper walks and they're great. And I've been on like history walks, they're a big thing in London. Oh, okay. So did any of the ripper walks like contradict each other? Not really. It the things that are different are like how usually they are as Dobby would say they you know they're generally out of work actors I think doing these things so some of them are better than others at it <laughs> um yeah and then so in kind of that same vein Mark comments that Whitechapel is made up almost entirely of Ripper walks and uh Dobby mentioned something that I never knew which is Jack the Ripper was prolific in 1888 she says uh it's too bad that we weren't doing these ripper walks in 1888 because we would have caught him for sure and mark just is like i love that she knows it was 1988 yeah so few women are ripper literate yeah it's a great great line and i consider myself to be very ripper literate so i'm glad to be in that small pool of women did you ever watch that uh johnny depp jack the ripper movie yeah i love that did you know that when that was being because it was filmed in um oh where was it filmed I don't know. No, I do know. Where's that place that everyone goes on stags? Uh, Prague. Am it was filmed in Prague. Oh. And, but in order to like 
get some of the historical scenes they did film in Whitechapel of some of the bits that still are like as they were. And Johnny Depp went on loads of ripple walks at the time. So loads of people were just on ripple walks like normally on a Friday night and there'd be a fella in a hat and it was Johnny Depp and he did loads of ripple walks himself to kind of get the knowledge of what happened. Um, and actually, I do have an interest in Jack the Ripper and that's a very, I mean, the story's not entirely accurate because it's got that mad theory about the king, but it's um, it's got a lot of the historical details are accurate. So yeah, I have seen that film and I like it a lot. Have you seen it? Yes, yeah, I haven't seen it in forever, though. Yeah, it's a great film. Heather Graham does a great uh, Victorian Cockney prostitute. Yeah, <laughs> I do know that it was based on a comic book, though. Mm. Yeah, on a graphic novel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, called... I can't remember what it was called. From Hell. From Hell. Yeah, it was called From Hell, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. Yeah. It's okay. It's perfectly okay. <laughs> um, Mark discusses... Um, you know, this guy's walk with Dobby and he points out some factual inaccuracies and Dobby kind of says, you know, mm, that's okay. He's just zooshing it up. In... Zooge Michael. Oh, Zooge Michael. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mark thinks that he's making fun of history and he doesn't know why history has to be fun. Why does everything have to be fun to be worthwhile? And, um, and then he says, Crick and Watson discovered the double helix. Did they do it on a skateboard? No, well, fuck off then. I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mark then starts to talk to the guide about some of the factual inaccuracies. And he responds, if it's a choice between the truth and the myth, I say print the myth. But Mark does the real quote, which is print the legend. And he's not having any of it and corrects the guy. Yeah. Um, and then he he kind of starts to ask the guy, you know, like, oh, hey, are you an out-of-work actor? You know, how many walks do you do a day? And the guy just says, you know, I do two walks a day, and then it's time to go to the museum, lunch, and a snooze. And Mark is just like, museum, lunch, and a snooze. The big three. Yeah. I think I could do this. Yeah, he's interested in this lifestyle. Um, and Mark says to Dobby, could he be recommended for or do a, to do a trial walk to Jan? And Dobby says that, yeah, she does have that power. Yeah, and Dobby also says that Jan will like Mark because of his tidy hair. <laughs> yeah, Mark's excited about this because he says that 30 years of ignoring fashion has finally paid off. Yeah, this is my prize. <laughs> um, so we go to our next scene and we have Jeremy and Mark in their Apollo house. Jeremy is on the couch watching horse racing for some asinine reason. Um. <laughs> Mark is sitting in his little chair and he's researching mercantile history of wherever he's doing his walk. At. The East End, I think. Yeah, the East End. Yeah. Um, Jeremy asks what he's doing and Mark explains about the research and he's excited, like genuinely excited to be doing this, but that he's worried about Sophie's reaction because she wants him to take this loss of justice job so they can pay for her private birth. On a trampoline made of marshmallows in a reconstruction <laughs> of Greenham Common. <laughs> I'm actually getting really excited to do um, um, hospital. Oh my god, what's the birth episode? Saint Hospitals, yeah. Yeah, Saint Hospitals. I'm really excited to do that episode. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. I think that you're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I have. I was watching episode. it yesterday actually because I was like letting them run on, and I was like. Oh man, I've got a lot of opinions about this that I didn't have at the time either. So, <laughs> uh, 
Jeremy is just, you know, he just looks at Mark and he says, yeah, fuck her. This is your dream, man. We're both living the dream. I'm in love with Elena. You're in love with the pastos. And Mark is just like, pasto? And Jeremy just is like, you know, the olden daysers. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy then tells Mark that he's going down to Elena's flat to meet the Accardo man. And then he's going to pick up her dry cleaning. And Mark says, are you sure that she's not just exploiting you here? Um, and he says, no, you know, this is his job now. And Mark says, how did it feel to admit that you're a serial masturbator to Elena's boss? And Jeremy says it, it did feel humiliating and saddening. But, you know, this is what he does. He's being less selfish. Yeah, he talks about how, you know, the porn on Elena's computer was great. And Mark just is like, oh, it wasn't the usual dead-eyed men fucking dead-eyed <laughs> women in a desperate world of pain. And Jeremy says, no, it's great. It's girl on girl on girl with a guy in a warehouse and mark thinks wow four-way sex on a pallet of dishwasher salt you're right that's about the most erotic thing i can imagine <laughs> this reminded me of so i've mentioned this before that i used to write for a erotic publication and some of the stuff that we like did was like reviewing dvds and there was this one and it was in french it got sent to us and it was completely in french with no subtitles and it was from what we could gather <laughs> It was their storyline was that they were working in like a, a like a warehouse or a sweatshop making lingerie. These girls and then they tried the lingerie on and then you know things got saucy. But then out of nowhere, a guy with a forklift truck came in and he was added to it. But because we didn't understand any of the dialogue for the life of us, none of us knew what was actually happening, like what the storyline was. And I still think about it sometimes and think, I wonder if there was a storyline and what the hell that storyline was. Um, maybe you should just ask Jeremy if he ever wrote a porno with a proper um, with proper a proper plot line. music. Yeah. yeah. Um, we go back to the cafe um, where Sophie with Sophie and Mark, and this scene is really short. Um, Sophie's been thinking about it, and she doesn't want Mark to resent the child. She wants the baby to see a happy and contented male role model. So she thinks that he should go for the walking tour thing. And um, Mark is really, you know, surprised and happy to hear that Sophie's kind of done this turnaround. Nothing's stopping him right now, but he's really not sure if he can go for it. No, which is typical Mark. Typical Mark. Yeah. I mean, all the doors are open for you to do what you want. Yeah. And yet he still can't grasp the nettle, can he? Okay. So next scene, we are back at Apollo House and we've got... Dobby, Mark, and Jeremy in the kitchen. Um, Jeremy and Dobby are both kind of giving giving Mark some unsolicited advice. Um, Dobby thinks that he should zoosh up his uh, walk a little bit and wear a costume, but not to sell out. I don't think you should wear a costume. I was thinking about this, and I think that would very much not be okay if he wore a full-on costume. It's not Hampton Court Palace. Um, Jeremy thinks he should do it as Sherlock Holmes, Mark isn't sure about this and Jeremy says why don't you just say elementary a lot to which Mark points out he never said that and Jeremy's like yeah he did everyone knows that it's elementary which really made me laugh <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then Jeremy just kind of gets mad at the, at Mark and just kind of walks out of the kitchen at this point my dad's a massive uh, Sherlock Holmes buff so I know that he never said elementary I know a lot of things about Sherlock Holmes um but I think that it's quite a niche joke to have in here. So that pleased me as well. 
So really, so the whole elementary, my dear Watson, is a thing that was never said? I said it's from the films rather than from the book. Oh. Books. This is plural. Yeah, it's, yeah, same with the pipe. Like, the pipe that that we see in the film versions and stuff he didn't have in the book. Oh. And speaking of the pipe, um, Dobby suggests just instead of a costume, you could do a pipe and Mark is just like, well, it would have to be a black clay pipe rather than the mythical meerschaum. And Dobby says it would look weird without a proper Sherlock Holmes pipe. <laughs> and Mark just is like an incorrect Sherlock Holmes pipe. <laughs> yeah. But then Dobby responds, but Mark, are you really Sherlock Holmes? And he's like, <laughs> okay, I'll think about the pipe, but I don't want to dilute the content too much because his USP is no frills, no wigs, no spin, just telling it like it was. And I'm so glad that they said USP in this episode because I finally had to look it up because the um, in the party when Hans has the snake, he says it's his USP. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. And I never knew what that meant, but it means unique selling proposition. See, I thought it was unique selling point, but I, I knew basically what it was. It must be a British expression. Oh, I'm sure it is because I've never heard yeah, it before. Yeah. Um, at this point, Dobby gets up to leave and she takes the laptop, Jan's laptop with her. And before Mark can stop her, she's gone. And Mark immediately turns to Jeremy for help because he is concerned that he's not wiped the history of the laptop. Nope. And I really like this because um, Mark just goes into the living room and he says, uh, look, Jez, mate, I need your help. And Jez just responds, balls again. <laughs> <laughs> Mark then says that he he watched the porn that he recommended. And Jeremy says that he didn't recommend it because he's not time out. Um, which I see that you've put a question mark by in your notes. Yes. Yeah, uh, Time Time Out is a weekly magazine that tells you everything that's happening in London, so like gigs and special events and exhibitions and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, um, <laughs> Mark says, yeah, you did, you gave it five stars. Yeah. Um, I found this next conversation to be really funny because, again, it just goes to show, it just really puts a stamp on how uh, out of date the tech is in this episode. And Jeremy says, you know, well, did you wipe the hard drive? And Mark says, no. And um, Jeremy has this little rhyme that says, discharge your pipe, then have a wipe. Everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it's horrible, but true, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, now, and so I was trying to think, you know, with all the proliferation of the porn tube sites, you know, you don't even really need to download it anymore. So I came up with a new rhyme for our teenage listeners that are trying to disguise their porn watching habits. <laughs> Go on. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. After self-pleasing, browser history be deleting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you could market that. I think that would work. Remember the rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kids today, they don't need this shit, do they? They've got the incognito browsers and the, you know, it's a, oh diff God, it's a different yeah. world. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's a different world Oh, my them. God. Even my fucking rhyme is out of date now. <laughs> yeah, you old timer. Yeah, just go incognito, you twats. <laughs> Mark asked Jeremy if he would consider taking the wank bullet for him like he did for Elena, but Jeremy says he won't. He's not a human wank shield. And Mark just guilt, like <laughs> tries to guilt trip him, and he's like, "Oh, so you'll take a wank bullet for Elena, but you won't for me." Ten minutes with her is worth more than ten years with me. I think we can count our friendship pretty much over from now on. Uh, Jeremy's just like, "Oh, don't be a cock," and Mark responds with, "Well, the cock has certainly crowed, 
thrice. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Mark just is like, you cock. And then... <laughs> Jeremy's confused by this. Um, and yeah, Mark tries to explain it, but I think it's fair to say that if Jeremy thinks that Shakespeare said there are more things than things, he's not going to get a biblical reference. No, not at all. Um, We then go to the history walk with Dobby and Mark. We are walking towards the location of the history walk and Dobby just hands Mark a pipe and says, you know, like, hey, just in case you want to zoosh it up. And I got to be honest, if I never say the word zoosh again, it'll be too soon. I like how you're saying it as well. Like, that is so not how I would pronounce that word. And I don't even know. Is that spelling from the script? Yes. Because uh, it's Z-H-O-O-S-H. And I would say it like with a J, like zhuzh. I guess that's kind of how she does say it, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a weird zhuzh. spelling for the way Dobby says it and the way I would say it. Zhuzh it up. <laughs> zhuzh it up. Um, Dobby, Mark mentions to Dobby that there might be something on Jan's laptop. And Dobby says not to worry about it. She, sort, she says, do you mean the jazz movies? And he says he does, and she says, don't worry, I found the temporary internet files, and I deleted them. Yeah, again, that's like some a little minor techno babble, but almost factually correct. That is a thing that you probably would be stored in your internet, temporary internet files. Right. But um, Mark apologizes to Dobby about it, and Dobby says all he had to do was tell her, she understands he's a man and men enjoy seeing heroin addicts showing their genitals for money. <laughs> bit unfair, I think. Don't think it's necessarily... I don't know. I think that's a bit of a lazy line from Dobby there, but especially as Dobby is kind of portrayed to be sort of open-minded and not... But whatever. She says this this line that is like a typical thing a woman might say. And um, Mark thinks that she's lovely. He would definitely go to Hastings to get her spelt bread. He'd even go to Austin for waffles. I want to go back to this line just a little bit more. Because Dobby is like super feminist, right? Mm. So why would she look down on a woman who wants to sell her body for money? That's what I'm saying is I don't really... I don't know. This is all like a murky area. And I've probably got different views about pornography to the majority of women may be. Because I have minor experience of working in that industry and seeing like... I always think that particularly before all the tubes and stuff and, and that's definitely changed porn, but there was a real kind of, in the early noughties, I think there was a real drive towards making porn more accessible to women and it being a different thing. And I think it's all gone a bit in the wrong direction, but that's another thing for another time. But I think that Dobby would have opinions more like mine. I think she'd be more enlightened about this stuff. I don't think she would have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very judgmental for Dobby. It's, who it's troubling. To it's be very Dobby. outside of Dobby's character, I think. Yeah. But again, much like I've said about Sophie in the past, where I've said that, you know, Sophie's character is what it needs to be to move the plot forward. Yes. It's very much the same way with Dobby. Yeah, too. and it goes back to, and I know that we talked about this in the past, and particularly back in the days of Mark trying to woo Sophie, of that the female characters in Peep Show are not well drawn. And that's probably because it's written by two men, which is fair enough. But like you say, Dobby is saying what Dobby has to say in order to make the next bit happen. Like that's just how female characters work in this program. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we get to, and, and just, you know, to clarify, we are not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. It's just, you know, 
it's the way it is, and it's you know, I'm sh- I'm sure if this show started in 2018, there would be a lot of stuff that they would change, but. You know, we're looking at it through the lens of when it happened. And it's like we've talked before about the, the best time test, haven't we? And how, you know, and they always say about that test and, you know, even the way it was um, devised was not to, the best time test doesn't, if it if something passes it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's got an intrinsically higher value. It's just about having a conversation about women on screen. And we're having that conversation like you say, this is now getting on for being the start of this is 15 years ago. Like, it's a long time and things have moved on. And like you say, if this was written now, I'm sure the women, I'm sure everything would be different, but I'm sure the women would be quite different. Yes, I agree 100%. Um, So we finally get to see Mark's So we finally get to see Mark's mythical history walk that we've talked about this entire episode now. Um, and it's not going very well. Uh, he doesn't really know how to make a dry topic interesting because mercantile history of the East End does not really sound like a very interesting thing. Um, did and... you? I've got a question for you, which was: Did you know what mercantile history was, or did you have to look it up? Because I'll admit that I had to look it up. Um, I assumed that it was something about like the merchant history of the East End. Yeah, it's like trade, commerce, banking history. Yeah, okay. Which there is a lot of in the East End, but man, that doesn't sound interesting. I mean, I guess the Bank of England is in the, or it's sort of, it's in the city, but it's quite near there. It's in the, near to the East End of London, but like, fuck me, I would not go on that walk. No, um, Mark said that he's already lost two people, and then he's got three guys on the tour who look like sex tourists. (laughs) Yeah, and he's pretty sure that most of them haven't paid as well, I think he says. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a guy just kind of walks up and he starts heckling Mark about Jack the Ripper. Um, you know, he says, did Jack the Ripper kill anybody over here? And Mark is just like, uh, you know, no, sir, this is, a this is about mercantile history and who knows what kind of trade the Dutch Jews engaged in anybody <laughs> cigars and diamonds. And <laughs> um, Mark responds to this after this he, he just decides he's not going to be clever anymore and he's like yeah look the front of Jessup's the camera shop someone was killed there it's a shame that they, they wasn't there in 1888 they could have taken a picture <laughs> yeah yeah um and then Mark is just you know like hey everybody just make sure that you know that this guy stole his walking tour <laughs> and the guy just kind of the guy that's trying to steal the walking tour just looks at mark and just says you're shit and just walks off yeah um mark realizes that this is a disaster and um despite not wanting to zhuzh it up he decides he's got no choice but to zhuzh it up <laughs> God. yeah and so he he takes a deep breath he says sorry to the pastos and he pulls out the pipe and then he says right well, even though our friend there was in many ways a thief, he has brought me to the next stage of the tour. Because, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the game's afoot. Saucy Jack is on the loose, and his victims lie strewn all over Whitechapel. We must track this villain, but how? Well, that's elementary. <laughs> yeah, and this is funny, because obviously he's selling out, but also I imagine if there was anyone that was on wanted to be on the Genuine Mercantile history tour they were most confused particularly as i'm guessing they were in an entirely different part of london 
<laughs> and then uh, Mark thinks, I've sold myself out. A little bit of me has died, but you know what? A lot of me doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And then we go into our final scene, which is um, after the walk, and there's a debriefing going on between Mark and um, Dobby and Jam. And Jan actually was impressed. She wanted to hire Mark. She says it was a bit crap to start with, but, you know, it got much better. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of asks about, you know, she's just like, hey, before I offer you this job, you know, I found this file on your laptop. And um, Mark starts to look kind of nervous. And he's like, uh, what file? And she goes, oh, a uh, cover letter for a loss adjuster. Yeah, and Mark says, he, he's obviously nervous because he thinks it's going to be about the porn, but he laughs relievedly and says, no, you know, that was just insurance. If you'll pardon the pun, he's 100% available. Yeah, and then I like when he thinks to himself, but it was a really good pun. <laughs> um, but then Jeremy turns up and starts talking to Dobby, asking how Mark did, and Dobby says he did shit and shit, but then it got good. And... Um, he says that he's having guilty feelings because he's really not been paying attention to Mark. Everything's been about Elena. And um, as Jeremy walks over, Jan and Mark are having this conversation where he hears Jan say, so I can delete that file on the laptop. And Jeremy decides he's going to gallantly step in and be the wank shield that Mark wanted him to be, but obviously he doesn't need to be. So, yeah, like, you said, like Laura said, Jeremy gallantly tries to be Mark's wank shield in... Um... Uh, you know, Mark says, yeah, you know, you can you can go ahead and delete that file on there. Yes, please. And Jeremy steps over and he's like, uh, file, uh, that wasn't actually Mark's fault, that file. And Mark just gets this look of terror in his eye where he's like, no, no, Jeremy, <laughs> you, you don't need to do this, really. Yeah, um, and, but it's too late. Jeremy says, I done the downloading and then I done the wank. And <laughs> the look on, on Mark's face is brilliant as like, the horror just dawns on him and then the colour drains from his face. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy is like, I wank 10, <laughs> maybe 12 times a day. It's a disease, a winking disease. And then um, he looks like so pleased with himself and so, you know, happy about it. And, you know, like he's really done his boy a favour. And Mark just looks at him, at Jan, and he says, you know, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Jan. This won't be a, a problem, will it? And she just looks at him and says, um, uh, I'll give you a ring, Mark. <laughs> and Mark thinks that that was the single nicest thing Jeremy's ever done for him and it's completely ruined his life. Yep, and then he calls Jeremy. He thinks to himself that Jeremy is a lovely shithead. <laughs> so yeah, so with that, we are done with the episode. Um... I thought this was a very eh episode. Like, you know, it's okay. It had some funny bits, but not, you know, not anything that was like, oh my gosh, what a great, uh, what a great episode. Yeah, um, I felt the same way, and my rating reflects that. Would you like to guess where I've put it? Hmm. Let's see here. I'm gonna go low with this one. Yeah. I wanna say. 46? Oh, really close, 45, yeah. But it's, I don't hate it, I just don't... There's nothing to sort of recommend it, is there? It feels very disjointed, it feels like lots of bits that have been stuck together. Like, I feel like they had, almost like they had all these bits of storylines, like, on the cutting room floor, and they thought, oh, I'll stick those together and make an episode out of it. 
Yeah, also, this is the fourth episode in probably the last six that's been named Jeremy something. Yes. I mean, we've, or fifth, fifth, actually, because we've had Jeremy in love, Jeremy at JLB, Jeremy's manager, Jeremy's mummy, and Jeremy's broke. Yeah, that's so, true, actually. Um, and I was thinking about this today. I feel like that they were kind of trying to make Jeremy a more prominent character because so much of the early show had been about Mark, Sophie, Mark, Sophie, Mark's life, Mark's life, Mark's life. And where Jeremy had kind of been a, um, like not really a background character, but not as important. So I think that they were just trying to give him some real like episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might be right. Um, And really this is kind of the first time that we see him with a proper love interest. That's like, that goes on for any length of time because obviously there's big Sue's that simmers in the background on and off but this is like the first string of episodes where there's a girlfriend isn't there yeah um maybe nancy oh of course yeah although even though the nancy arc went big it didn't actually last very long did it like actually she's not their relationship doesn't really last very many episodes in reality yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, probably actually Elena's relationship with him lasts as long as Nancy's. They just don't get married. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I'd be really interested to find out like what happened with the actress of Elena that they didn't want to bring her back. Or maybe they just wanted to create Zara so bad. Yeah, I don't, really I don't know. know. I, I was thinking this because like I say, I was watching, after watching this, I kind of just let them run on on Netflix while I was cooking or something. And, and like, spoilers. But in St. Hospitals, which is the first episode of Series 7, literally, there's, like, one line where Jeremy says, like, oh, never see Elena again, and she's never mentioned again, even though Gail continues to be in it. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny that Gail continues to be, like, a a reoccurring character throughout the, the series. Yeah, it's strange, it's really weird, but I don't know, it's, it's a weird one that she disappears. But I, Elena's intolerable in lots of ways, but I quite enjoy the side she brings out in jeremy yeah i do too it's yeah, funny yeah um so i i want to get to the trivia questions but before we get to the trivia questions just want to remind everybody we are 700 twitter followers away from getting matt king on the show i know that laura's really excited about that yeah I'm i can tell you really exactly how that. many followers we are away let's have a look so right now as of this moment we are Oh, don't, don't take this opportunity to to not work Twitter. We have got 4,345 followers. So we need 655 followers to make 5,000 followers on Twitter. This has been going since when it was like the summer, wasn't it? When I started pushing this. So this has been going um, on for like six months, dudes. Yeah, July or August, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and our Twitter's great. I mean, we, we've got so much engagement on Twitter. It's, it's great. So keep tweeting and tweeting people about us. Yeah, I've really enjoyed... Uh, it seems like especially over the last like couple months that, you know, we've been getting a lot of, like, feedback. And a lot of that is because Laura has just been relentless about tweeting about, you know, uh, all the shows that she's watching as well as Peep Show. And, um, you know, so we definitely appreciate all the people that have tweeted at us or retweeted us or you know use the insult generator to call us names like we just really appreciate everything <laughs> did you see this tweet from lardy barstow that's just made me absolutely 
<laughs> crease up. Um, podcast highlight so far in holiday, one hour, two minutes, 12 seconds. Sean, I don't think Lucy had a borderline personality disorder, but she definitely has some kind of crazy personality thing. Laura, I think she's just a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did see that when you went, uh, well, it got edited out, but when you went up to go check on Phil, I w- was like, oh, what's this tweet for? <laughs> oh dear um but yeah twitter's going great so keep it going great i really enjoy twitter and seeing what people are talking about comedy wise and stuff and i really enjoy on a monday when this country comes out and seeing what people are saying about that as well oh shit i haven't watched that no i haven't because i'm talking to you but phil is phil is chomping at the bit to to watch it when we eat our dinner so that's uh that's gonna be what i do after i finish recording okay well I will uh, watch it too, mm. and I'll tweet out. I'll I'll tweet it out as well. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. what magic occurs. Yeah. Okay, and so now for the main event. As a lot of people know, Peep Show was on Mastermind. Yes. Which is some sort of quiz show. I don't know. I've it's never heard of it. It's a very long running quiz show um, on BBC. I want to say BBC One. Might be on BBC Two actually. Um, it's been running for years and years. It used to be. A guy called Magnus Magnusson used to do it, but he's dead now. And John Humphreys, who is big deal, he's the host of the Today Show on Radio 4. He is the host now. Um, and it's a very prestigious quiz, which is obviously why Peep Show was one of the specialist subjects on it this week. Um, are we going to try to get Sarah onto the show that'd be great yeah we I've, I've sort of had a few exchanged a few messages with her on twitter she had some uh she has some amusing things to say about she's american as well um she had some amusing things to say about how she ended up on mastermind talking about peep show um, and i think it was a last minute thing and she had to think up something that she knew a lot about quickly and peep show was one of those things which i think i think it would be my specialist subject as well what would your specialist subject be on mastermind Japanese pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's got that's got wide appeal. That really appealed to the uh, the viewing public. <laughs> I think mine would be Peep Show or probably Adrian Mole is the other thing I know lots about. No, I mean, I'd probably... I, I mean, definitely I would include Peep Show in there. Uh, um, especially if it was after we finished the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've... So, I transcribed the 12 questions that John Humphreys asked uh, Sarah Jane and uh, I'm going to ask them to you. And I I got all 12 right. I'll be very surprised if you don't get all 12 right here, I have to say. I've got to be honest, I've been shitting bricks about this because <laughs> after you said I got all 12 right, you better get all 12 right or I'm going to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> My husband didn't do as well as me, but that's not really surprising as he's not obsessionally watched it and doing a podcast about it but he still did pretty well and some of these he's not seen since they aired so again i think i think you'll be fine we'll see all right so i took my hoodie off so now i'm not sweating as much (laughs) i cracked my knuckles and let's do this thing okay you ready yes ma'am Number one, Mark and Jeremy live in a tower block in Croydon. What is its name? Apollo House. (laughs) Correct. Number two, what important family occasion does Mark miss when he and Jeremy are accidentally locked in Zara's apartment building? 
christening? Yes, his son's christening. I would accept just christening. Uh, number three, to which town does Jeremy go to buy spelt bread for Elena? Uh, I'll take Hastings for 500 please yes it is Hastings very relevant for this episode number four my husband got this one wrong which I thought was shocking I have to say number four Superhands' first name is revealed during his wedding to Molly what is it? Simon yeah they were shameful that Phil got that wrong Number five, when Jeremy is laid apparently unconscious in front of the TV during Mark and Sophie's weekend away, what is showing on the TV? Sarah Jane got this wrong. What is showing? Oh, uh, uh, Black Adder. No. Do you want to take another it was... guess? It was, it was a World War II show. It was. Um... I said it on the fucking podcast. <laughs> oh my god. I don't remember. Tenko. Tenko. Oh yeah, because yeah, Mark is like, oh Tenko, yeah. Tenko, yeah. yeah. Oh. oh. But Sarah Jane got it wrong, so you're not alone. Number six, Johnson What did she say? She I think she passed on it. I'm not sure that she said anything. Okay. Yeah. Um number six, Johnson orders Mark to fire Sophie, but just as he's about to do so, she reveals something to him. What is it? Hmm. Pregnancy? Yes, that she is pregnant with his baby. Num- I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you knew that. Number seven, what Christmas present does Mark give to Dobby and Jeremy having taken advantage of a two-for-one offer? Salad tongs? Oh, kitchen tongs. I'll take salad tongs, yeah. Kitchen tongs. Um, number eight, Mark follows April to his old university after she serves him in a shoe shop. What is the name of the university? Dartmouth. Yes. No Quim likes to party. Um, like the Quim down in Darty. <laughs> number nine. When Superhands is married to Molly breaks up in the final episode, where does he say he's going to van it to? Macedonia? Yes. The, uh, Sarah Jane got this wrong and so did my husband, who both said Moldova and it is Macedonia, so... Well done, because there's clearly some confusion between those two countries. And Phil's a geography teacher, so that is shaming. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10. According to Callie, what objects were probably crafted by the ancient inhabitants of Atlantis and are powerful centres of healing? Crystal skulls. Yes. Number 11. Whilst Jeremy is on jury service, what is the name of the defendant that he ends up going out with? Oh. Oh, my God. Uh, this was just on Dobby Club the other day. Oh, Christ, I can't think of her name. Do you want me to tell you? Uh, oh, hold on a minute here. What is it? Oh my god, I can see her face, but I can't think of what the fuck her name is. Do you want is. a clue? Yes. It begins with a C. <laughs> It's a man's name with an A on the end. Uh, Carla? Yes! And finally, number 12. What does Jeremy write on Mark's eyelids in permanent marker to supposedly improve his chances with April? Uh, Love you. Yes. Not bad. You only got one seriously wrong there. So 
I won't throw yeah. you off the podcast. <laughs> ten and a half out of I got ten and a half out of twelve. Exactly. Yeah, you're fine. Anything below ten, we would have had to reconsider this. <laughs> you did better than Sarah Jane, so that you can stay. Oh man, my heart was pounding there. <laughs> it wasn't really that hard, was it? That was it was for the casual peep show watcher, perhaps, but for such as us, not hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think even without doing this podcast, I would have got you know probably at least eight or nine out of twelve. Yeah, and there were people on Twitter boasting that they did well getting like six or seven. So <laughs> we've got this. <laughs> um. Let's see here. Uh, well, normally we would talk about this country, but I guess we can wait till next week. Yeah, we don't know what happened yet in this country. Although we yeah. hadn't watched last week's one when we spoke last, did we? We hadn't watched the one with the broken, le- not broken leg. Oh, I guess we could talk about that one. Yeah. That one was, uh, uh, that one has been my least favorite so far of the yeah i agree i thought it was the least amusing of the three that have been on so far that's not to say it wasn't funny because it was but i think i mean episode two was solid gold like not a not 30 seconds went by where i wasn't laughing ridiculously so to say it not been as good is 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 not really criticism because the others have been so good um i did enjoy the vicar in this in that that episode i thought he was very well utilized Yes, uh, I did too. Um, I really enjoyed Curtin in this episode too, with the, um, you know, like being obsessed with going to TJ Maxx. Yeah, so when we were watching it, my husband said, um, he asked what you thought of the episode. And I said, because he knew you'd seen it. And I said that, yeah, he didn't think it was as good as the previous two. And he said, oh, will Sean understand what TK Maxx is? And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's an American thing. I'm pretty sure they invented yes. it. Yeah, yeah. I actually was surprised that you guys had a TJ Maxx over in England. We called it, for some reason, we called it TK Maxx. I do not know why. It's a K and not a, G, a J. I can only imagine there's some sort of litigious reason for that. But it's the same shop. Yeah, there's a TJ Maxx within spitting distance of my apartment. Yeah, there's uh, there's one very close to here as well. Is it like a jumble sale? Uh, it's like yes. yeah it's just insane to get access i find it very stressful to shop in there yes uh i do too which is why i don't go there no i mean i have you do get the occasional absolute gem but i don't think it's worth it for the blood pressure that it induces in you <laughs> but curtain is mad for for tk max isn't he and that's sort of the whole the whole episode for him is hung around him wanting to get to tk max to buy some new threads yeah, he wants to go on a Saturday when all the new stuff gets there. Yeah, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if the best, but the new stock comes in on the first Saturday of the month. I'd like to know if that's true. Um, I don't know. I'll go to the TJ Maxx by my uh, apartment and <laughs> I'll ask See if the him. new shit comes in. Um, my favourite line from that episode was when he says, completely straight face to the camera, a lot of effort goes into the way I look, which is just brilliant because curtains are <laughs> fucking state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
he talks about how Carrie doesn't really care how she looks, but he puts a lot of effort <laughs> into his appearance. I have to say, though, like, hats off to Daisy Cooper for this series because she, we know she was, like, eight months pregnant when she filmed this, and she looks fucking what? knackered the whole time. Yeah, she was, she was like, eight weeks, not even that, like, six weeks away from giving birth when this was filmed, which is why she looks so fat, because she has to wear a fat suit. So if you look closely on the scenes where she's sitting down, it's quite obvious she's got this, like, foam fat suit around her bump and she just looks knackered i think i feel sorry for the girl i hadn't even known that yeah yeah she had a baby start of january a little girl called pip wow yeah good for her yeah yeah but she i just think I, when i was pregnant at that stage i was crying all the time and barely left the house <laughs> let alone filming a hit sitcom that i'd written as well like hats off to her she's a hero yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I didn't like about this episode was um I didn't like how all of a sudden Carrie was like a big baby about pain. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's never been mentioned before, has it? No. And she's like, supposed she to be like talks... a legendary fighter as well. Yeah. I mean, we do know that we've never actually seen her fight and she does hang out with a lot of grade school kids. <laughs> um but yeah, I, th I thought that was a weird character trait for her to have all of a sudden. Um, I wondered if they and... did it just for that line where Curtin says she's got no physical pain threshold, but emotional pain she's got no end <laughs> of. <laughs> I wondered if it was just for that line because that was a very funny line. Um, one of my favorite parts was when she was just calling random people on her cell phone and talking about how her leg had been smashed. Uh, smashed Such a great <laughs> like a breadstick. That's been put in a blender. Yeah, that was very funny and so true. Oh, like, like a breadstick in a blender. Yeah, yeah, and so true. If you've ever been in A and E, and like I don't know what your local casualty is like, but our local A and E department is just full of people on their mobiles talking about their injuries or saying. I've been sat here for nine hours. I can't believe how long I've been waiting. And um, that was very accurate, I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I also enjoyed his little, like, the Vickers little soccer run. <laughs> that was that was my, I think I tweeted this, that that was my moment of the episode. No words were spoken. It was just him doing a little jog as he was putting the cones out for the soccer practice. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, it wasn't my favorite episode of the season, but I still thought it was really, really damn funny. Yeah, it's 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 solid. Um, yeah, looking forward to the net. There's three episodes left, aren't there? Which is it's sad that we're halfway through the series already. Yeah, it is depressing. Uh, the guys over at WTAF, their podcast is doing fantastic. Yes, they because they're not talking about the new episodes yet, are they? They're going to wait till they've all aired and then they're going to talk about them then so they've got like context for the whole series i believe so oh that's interesting yeah, so at the moment they are they're talking about other stuff i think they spoke to to a couple Pippa? yes yeah the last week um and then when it's all aired they're gonna then talk about it individually and then aim one go i think oh okay yeah i'm looking forward to hearing them talk about it yeah yeah no definitely um have you been watching or listening to anything else this week Mm, not anything that I want to recommend or talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, me and Phil watched that thing about the girls in juvenile prison, by Wasn't the way. It? Oh, it was so good, but it was heartbreaking. We were like, oh, this is compelling, but these poor girls. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the the one that, you know, was stuck there because she couldn't, you know, didn't have anybody to go home to. Oh, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it was awful. But I know you're not... I've got... Sorry, go on. 
Oh, I was just gonna say, I think I have like two episodes left. Yeah, no, we watched all of it, so good, good shout on that. Um, and I know you're not watching it, but I've got to mention Mum, which broke my heart this week. I cried for 40 minutes to the point that like <laughs> Phil, who did not cry when the children were born, was like, I'm so stressed. I can't feel my feet. He was like, I can't believe like this is meant to be a comedy and they've just they've just broken me with this. So, yeah, very sad episode this week. Wondering where they're going to go from here. Are they going to make us cry tomorrow or is it going to be... Are they going to uplift us with this episode? Because I don't think I can take it if they, they make me cry like they did last week. It finished at half past 10 and I was still crying at 10 past 11. Like, that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, one last question for you. Yep. Do we have a review on this episode from Phil? So he was with me that it was... He just didn't remember any of it. So when we when I was watching it, he was like, oh, like, didn't remember the walks didn't remember did remember the wanking like the wank shield thing but didn't remember that how it came about or that he then fucked mark over at the end and was just like i don't know where i was but like this did not even this is not even registered that this happened in peep show so yeah he was he was as sort of flat about it as we were really oh i, I tell you what as well i must shout out um to the i know you don't know alan partridge but the guys over at Monkey Tennis who do a fabulous podcast about Alan Partridge or all of his, you know, large canon of work, they uh, there's been some new stuff come out from them. And I was listening to it today and laughing uproariously. Um, so if you are a fan of Alan Partridge and you've not listened to the latest Monkey Tennises, and there were a few that came out like in the winter that I'd missed where they talk about his autobiography at length. There's like seven episodes talking about his autobiography. They're well worth a listen. So if you're a fan of Adam Partridge and you're not listening to Monkey Tennis already, you should be. Oh, good to know. I wonder. I I I would be really interested to see how you reacted to Adam Partridge. Like I don't even know where you'd start with Adam Partridge because it's so <laughs> it's such a kind of long convoluted twenty years worth of stuff. But I just I I am curious as to whether you'd find it funny or just be like, what the fuck is this? Okay, so I'm going to put this out for people on Twitter. I do have access to iPlayer. Is Alan Partridge on iPlayer? No, but it's on British Netflix, so I'm thinking that you'd probably be able to get it somehow. Yeah, okay, I, I can probably make that work. Yeah. So I just want you guys to suggest episodes that I should watch, and I will watch at least one of them, and then report back next week. I think that's on... a good idea, actually. So there's like two major series of, of I'm Alan Partridge, that's like a good introduction and very funny so if anyone's got any idea i know which episode i would uh, recommend and i will do if you put it on twitter but i'd be interested to see what other people recommend and see if you just think that this is unfunny in the extreme (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so yeah tweet me either on the show's account or if you have my personal one you can tweet me on either one it's fine and um when I get like one or two episodes, I will um, figure out how to find them and then watch it. Phil's a huge Alan Partridge fan, so I'll ask what he thinks as well, and I'll get the ball rolling on people recommending new episodes. Gotcha. Cool. And then, uh, lastly, I'd like to thank our Patreon sponsors once again for sponsoring this episode. Cheers, fellas. We appreciate it. Yep. Yes. All right, and with that, we are going to go ahead and sign off. Until next week with the affair. Yes, the affair yeah, next week. Yeah, the affair. Yes, the introduction of Gail. Yes, Gail 
comes into our lives and maybe we wish she hadn't but we'll talk more about that next week <laughs> all right okay. here we go l dude brother signing off uh, eh, uh, eh. goodbye hey. i am in loco parentis i am the last remaining contestant on the apprentice i am the home trained dentist ay yeah 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 yeah